Eating disorders are incredibly complicated to treat, leaving people potentially struggling for decades. But there's a new contender in the treatment field, psychedelic drugs. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. Today, Sarah Catherine Roden is talking us through how the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, used in a very particular way, could help people with anorexia. And a heads up, the nature of this talk means we're going to be hearing about eating disorders. So if that's not going to be helpful for you, feel free to skip this app. If you or anyone you know needs help with an eating disorder, you can call the Butterfly Foundation on one 800 4673 So when you think of eating disorders, psychedelic therapy may not immediately come to mind. I am a lead researcher on a psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy trial for treatment-resistant anorexia nervosa in adults, and today I will explain why psilocybin may have a role in the treatment of anorexia nervosa. So psilocybin is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. It is a classic psychedelic, like LSD, DMT, which is the active ingredient in the Amazonian ayahuasca brew, and mescaline, which is the active ingredient in the San Pedro and peyote cactus. Classic psychedelics act on the serotonin 2A receptor and induce pseudo-hallucinations. Pseudo-hallucinations differ from true hallucinations, a term often associated to describe a psychotic episode or schizophrenia. For example, seeing someone who isn't there and being absolutely convinced of its reality. Classic psychedelics differ in that they amplify what is already there. Illusions may appear, colours become more intense, and kaleidoscope patterns emerge. They also induce visual auditory synesthesia and amplify a sense of taste, smell, and touch. Humans have been using psychedelics and other psychoactive compounds as part of rituals, ceremonies, and healing purposes for thousands of years. In fact, the earliest records we have are here in Australia, in the Kimberley region of the Northern Territory, where there's Aboriginal rock art of psychedelic mushroom head paintings that date back to 10,000 BC. So the past decade has seen a significant surge in clinical trials investigating psilocybin for a variety of mental health conditions, so-called psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy or psychedelic therapy, which is basically a combination of the drug and a talk therapy which takes place before and after dosing. And the results are incredibly exciting. Just two to three doses in conjunction with psychotherapy has shown to induce long-term therapeutic benefits and many very difficult to treat mental health conditions. This includes treatment-resistant depression, major depressive disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, end-of-life distress, and alcohol and tobacco addiction. Depression, anxiety disorders, and substance abuse disorders often co-occur with eating disorders, and there is some preliminary evidence to suggest they may have a role in the treatment of anorexia nervosa. For the most part, psychedelic research has taken place in the USA, UK, and Europe, and only recently started in Australia. The first such trial began in 2020 at St. Vincent Hospital in Melbourne, led by Dr. Margaret Ross, who is investigating psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy for the treatment of anxiety and depression in palliative care patients. Last year, surprisingly, the Australian government announced $50 million available for research investigating psychedelics for the treatment of mental health. Our research team at the University of Sydney were incredibly lucky to receive a small portion of this money to trial psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy for treatment-resistant anorexia nervosa in adults. This will be the first such trial in Australia, and we're very fortunate to be collaborating with Imperial College London. So anorexia nervosa is a debilitating eating disorder. It is caused by this extreme anxiety and fear of food intake. This causes chronic food refusal, extensive weight loss, and nutritional deprivation, leading to serious health complications and sometimes death. 
It has one of the highest mortality rates and treatment costs of any psychiatric disorder and is the leading cause of mental health-related hospitalizations in Australia. They have an average 10-year illness duration and some will suffer for the illness for the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, nothing works. There are no drugs or psychological therapies that effectively treat the illness. Often the only life-saving interventions left are repeated hospitalization and inpatient refeeding. Unfortunately, the magnitude of the problem is not reflected by research investment. In Australia, eating disorder research funding equates only $1 per affected individual, compared to $67 for schizophrenia and $9 for depression. So anorexia nervosa often develops during adolescence, so around 16 years of age. Here, eating disorder behaviour is quite malleable, and so if targeted early, they're able to respond to treatment and have a chance of achieving long-term recovery. Unfortunately, not everybody responds to these first-night interventions, and some are left untreated, and so they develop the illness into adulthood. Here, eating disorder behaviour becomes fixed and a lot more difficult to treat. Their brain and thought patterns become more rigid. This cognitive rigidity regarding their illness reduces um, engagement to treatments that aim to dismantle these rigidified belief systems that perpetrate the illness. Individuals' anorexia nervosa often value their disorder, which hinders motivation for recovery. Therefore, brain rigidity and lack of motivation are key psychotherapeutic targets in treating anorexia nervosa, but are very difficult to treat with conventional treatments such as cognitive behavioural therapy. So why might psilocybin work? Psilocybin is believed to induce this entropic brain, so a hyperplastic brain state. This basically means that it increases brain flexibility, so you're able to think differently and able to do so for a couple of weeks following a dose of psilocybin. This provides individuals the ability to make changes in their life they previously weren't able to do, to break out of thoughts and belief systems that perpetrate the illness, leading to positive transformations in personality, all of which are very difficult to achieve when treating anorexia nervosa. Psilocybin also increases emotional empathy, openness, and connectedness to others. This increases trust between patient and therapist. Such openness is a tremendous, in a therapeutic setting is a tremendous challenge for individuals with anorexia nervosa. So how does psychedelic-assisted therapy work, or psilocybin-assisted therapy work? So it, there's the drug and the talk therapy. The talk therapy takes place before and after dosing. So before as preparation for the psychedelic experience and integration of the psychedelic experience post-dosing. Dosing always takes place in a safe setting, in a calm and therapeutic environment that's been set up in a clinic or in a hospital. Extensive preparation takes place over a couple of weeks. The therapist meets the patient a couple of times, they get to know one another, they build a therapeutic alliance, and the therapist psychologically prepares the patient for the experience. For the most part, a completely psychedelic naive and absolutely terrified to be taking a psychedelic. Dosing cannot take place unless both therapist and patient are confident that a therapeutic alliance has been built and that the therapist is confident that the patient is psychologically prepared and psychologically stable enough to be taking a psychedelic drug. Preparation is absolutely critical for long-term therapeutic benefit and for managing psychological risks associated with psilocybin. On the day of the dosing, the patient is instructed to lie down, listen to a music playlist, wear eye shades. The therapist won't initiate conversation with the patient to encourage them to explore their own mental state. However, they may offer a sense of touch or hold their hand to comfort them while they're um, under the, the acute effects of the drug. The day after dosing, they undergo integration. Here, the therapist offers non-judgmental and compassionate listening. This allows the patient to assimilate and contextualize their experience. It's important to stress that 
the data we currently have on psychedelic-assisted therapy is on a very specific group of people who meet very strict eligibility criteria and who have gone intensive therapy. Although the data is exciting and promising, it does not apply to all mental health problems and to the general population. Psychedelics are considerably safe, but they are not harmless and can cause significant harm. And therefore, in a clinical trial, we follow rigorous procedures to ensure the safety and the well-being of our patients. So you may be wondering, if we can give psychedelics to patients in a clinical trial in Australia, what does that mean? Is it legal? Can we get it? Unfortunately, psilocybin remains one of the most restricted drugs in Australia. It's a Schedule 9. This means that it has apparently no therapeutic value, which does not reflect the current body of evidence that suggests that psilocybin, in fact, has a range of therapeutic applications. Last year, the TGA received an application to downschedule psilocybin from 9 to 8, which they refused. Other drugs in Schedule A include cocaine, fentanyl, oxycodone, all of which are now well known to be incredibly addictive and to often be unsafe. Although psilocybin is more tightly restricted, we do know that in comparison to many Schedule A substances, that it is considerably safer and, and has absolutely no addictive properties. We know the war on drugs failed a long time ago and that prohibition and restriction does more harm than good. I can only hope that once data starts being published from psychedelic trials run in Australia, the TJ will reconsider downscheduling psilocybin from nine to eight. Not only will this make my life easier as a researcher to conduct these trials, but it will mean that psilocybin will become available for those who urgently need it. So we hope to begin recruiting for our trial next year and to finish data collection by 2025. And if the data is as promising as we have seen in other mental health conditions, then we are possibly trialing a life-saving intervention that could help individuals who have exhausted all treatment options. This field in Australia is slowly developing, but it's very exciting, and I feel very fortunate and grateful to be a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. That was Sarah Catherine Roden, a PhD candidate at the Inside Out Institute and Lambert Initiative for Cannabinoid Therapeutics at the University of Sydney. She was speaking there at our Occam's Razor live event at the Sydney Powerhouse Museum on Gadigal land. And speaking of live events, we've got another one coming very soon. Occam's Razor is coming to Adelaide on the 24th of November, and I want you to be part of our live audience. Check out the link in the episode description or find it on the Occam's Razor website. I would love to see you there. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.